Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Welcome to the Lottery Podcast on Blue Wire Network. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. This week's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, and I'm joined by SB Nation's Ricky O'Donnell, who has to be in some kind of good mood today. With the news breaking about the Chicago Bulls' change in leadership, they've now hired uh, former Nuggets GM Arturis Kanyashovis to take over, reshape the front office, uh, which was obviously in need of a shakeup. You feeling good today, Ricky? I am. I'm feeling good. I would feel better if they actually fired John Paxson and Gar Foreman. Both of those guys are going to remain within the organization in some capacity. Paxson seems like he's going to be an advisor to Karnaschovas. I'll give Karnaschovas some advice right off the bat. Don't listen to Paxson because the Bulls badly needed to give this front office a facelift. Paxson had been in charge for 17 years. This move is long overdue for the Bulls. It is being celebrated by Bulls fans like a seventh championship. I do think it is certainly a cause for celebration, but uh, I just hope that Karnaschovas is going to have full autonomy, going to be able to run the show how he wants to. All reports point to that so uh as long as that's the case it's a very exciting day for the chicago bulls yeah and carnish he's not like a guy who's been on tv a lot and you know you don't most people don't really know him um in terms of personality uh he's really well respected anytime you ask anybody about him they always say uh you know great choice he was kind of you know built for this type of role was there anybody else you had in mind that you were hoping chicago would at least consider All I wanted the Bulls to do was to look at the winning franchises around the league and try to identify someone in a rival front office that they could pluck. And, uh, you know, I think that some fans had delusions of getting someone like Masai Ujiri or Sam Presti. The Bulls were never going to pay up for uh, executive of that caliber. I think that, uh, as always with the Bulls, cost is going to be a major factor and uh you know i think karnashovas they did the they did the right process to lead them to get there they should have hired more minority candidates before they eventually pulled the trigger on him but uh besides for that black mark i think that the bulls did the right thing in terms of looking to winning franchises and uh trying to trying to pluck a an executive so i'm excited about that yeah he's got like pretty strong presence he's kind of like um you know he's like the the Bond villain type of guy, but he's, but uh, you know he, he's he's seems easy to talk to and um, and again everyone seems to to like him both uh, in terms of the job he's done um, and uh, and as a human being um, in general. So what's the plan now? Now he's going to hire like a new GM. Yeah, that was the most recent report from Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports. He plans to hire a new GM. The Bulls have always had one of the smallest staffs in the NBA in terms of scouting, in terms of analytics, and even the coaching staff. The Bulls still have never had a shooting coach to work with the team. So uh, this is going to have to be a major investment from the Reinsdorfs, the family that owns the Bulls. It can't just be Karnaschovas. As long as he has the financial freedom to hire the people he wants to hire, I think it could be a very good thing for the Bulls. Yeah, he's got some scouting experience. internationally 
Um, so I think that's always a good thing to, to have a guy with that type of background. Uh, going into a, a draft where the Bulls are projected to pick seventh again. But before we get into draft talk, you know, every, every time I do a mock draft or I'm looking at Chicago and trying to figure out, you know, what do they need? What type of player is going to elevate the rest of the group? You look at the roster, obviously there's, there's good players on the roster and it hasn't really translated to wins. What's what's the first move? What should he be looking to do with the guys on the team? Is there any obvious type of trade, somebody they should dangle, and, and the type of player they should be looking to get in return? Yeah, in terms of the Bulls draft evaluation, I got to say best player available all day. That would have been the case even without a new front office, but especially with Karnaschovas coming in. I think that, you know, everyone that's on the team right now, while they do have some intriguing young prospects in Lowry Markkinen, Wendell Carter, Kobe White, even Zach Levine, still a young player, uh, there needs to be a fresh set of eyes on these guys and a fresh evaluation and they can't be beholden to the old biases of how they came to town. I trust Karnaschovas to make a good evaluation. In terms of what I think, it's going to be some difficult decisions because uh, the Bulls do have some promising young players. They haven't led the team to many wins, as you noted. So I think some hard choices are going to have to be made. You know, you have Lowry Markkinen's extension looming. Lowry Markkinen has not gotten better in any of his three NBA seasons. Is he someone you really want to give a $90 million contract to? I think that if he has league-wide value, that's someone they could potentially dangle. Uh, what to do with Kobe White and Zach Levine? Kobe White does not really look like a pure point guard by any means. More of an off-ball scorer. Levine is a similar role. Are those two on the court tenable together defensively? So I think there's some hard choices to be made. I would not be surprised if Karnaschovas ends up flipping the majority of the roster within a year. Uh, and quite frankly, the Bulls don't have much to lose, even though they have some exciting young pieces. It's been such a such a bad stretch of recent years for the Bulls that even if they do tear it down, it's not like you're really missing much. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the trouble I have is really kind of assessing everyone's individual value. Kind of like you mentioned, like, Larry Markin, and he hasn't gotten better in three years, but there are some people, you know, I live in New York, and the Knicks are looking for some type of change, some new exciting addition, and Markin keeps coming up. And, like, there's one group of people who think, you know, oh, you can really buy low on him, and, and he's a potential all-star. And then you mentioned Chicago. He hasn't gotten better in three years. So, like, what's the viewpoint? What's the uh, What does everybody think of Markin? And do they still have hopes that, like, he can be a star-caliber Porzingis type of scorer, or has the allure to him kind of faded? Uh, I think it's a little of both. It's tough because coming into this past season, which was his third year in the league, I thought he had more pressure on him than any player on the roster, especially with the extension looming, that he really had to assert himself as a top-flight NBA scorer, a guy who could get you 20 a game, uh, and at least, like, you know, stake his claim as a future offensive focal point of the team. Well, that didn't happen at all. He turned in what was probably the worst season of his career. I think it comes with a major caveat that Jim Boylan – is so awful and uh Karnaschovas has a very easy first test to pass as the Bulls new leading man fire Jim Boylan right away if Jim Boylan is the coach next year I think that that's going to be a huge strike against Karnaschovas I do expect him to fire Boylan uh who has just been a disaster and I think that Boylan deserves a lot of the blame for Markkinen sort of failing to develop so in terms of Markkinen I mean I'm not very high on him right now for a couple different reasons the first is that he hasn't improved. The second is that 
He's averaging under one steal and under one block per 36 minutes for his career. He doesn't make an impact on the boards. He doesn't make an impact defensively. Basically, the path for Markkanen to be a really good player is to average an efficient 25 points a game or somewhere in that range. He just doesn't bring enough outs to the table. And to this point, we haven't really seen him consistently show that type of scoring ability. So while he still has some intriguing tools, and I still think he has some potential... Markkanen's big thing to me is he needs a high-level creator setting him up. I believe like 70% of Markkanen's baskets were assisted over the last two years. That's just way too high of a number for someone like the Bulls who lacked a lead offensive initiator. If you put Markkanen with a powerful creator like James Harden, like Luka Doncic, I think you could see his value skyrocket uh, when he has someone spoon-feeding him quality offensive opportunities. That hasn't happened with the Bulls who haven't had strong point guard play who have miscast Zach Levine as their lead initiator in recent years so uh not a lost cause by any means Larry Markkinen but he could probably use a change of scenery yeah all right so let's just I mean you kind of created a nice segue into the draft and and the options that the Bulls are going to be looking for and um you put out a recent article on Lamella Ball as your number one overall prospect I've had him number one as well since since his last game uh in Australia since November um I just feel super confident in both his floor and his ceiling and of course um, like you mentioned the Bulls have kind of needed a setup guy a guy to put other guys in position um, to to have better scoring opportunities more efficient offense overall and so uh, you gotta imagine Chicago is looking at Ball and the questions I continue to get uh, from Bulls fans is can Ball coexist with a guy like Zach Levine they both kind of need the rock um, although you know Levine is, is more of a combo um, what do you think about LaMelo's fit if Chicago does indeed keep Zach Levine? Love it. Obvious pick. If you get the number one overall choice, you're the Bulls. I think you would have to take LaMelo Ball. Uh, I think he'd be a good fit with Levine because Levine really should not be running pick and rolls and isolations, right? The only reason that's happening is because Chicago doesn't have another strong offensive initiator type. That burden falls to Levine. I personally would love to see Levine in more of an off-ball role, a la Clay Thompson, where he's running off screens, can use his shooting ability to stretch out defenses, can attack a closeout with his great athleticism. Everyone focuses on Levine's defense as his biggest shortcoming, but to me, his lack of feel for the game offensively might be just as damaging. There have been a lot of great players in the NBA, Trey Young, Steve Nash, who couldn't really defend. Mm -hmm. If Levine had that level basketball IQ, he'd be an unstoppable offensive player. Instead, the guy's a lights-out scorer who still doesn't really rate highly in terms of an overall offensive player because his decision-making is kind of poor. So I think having a brilliant lead initiator, brilliant passer facilitator like LaMelo Ball would be the best thing that could ever happen to Zach Levine. Now, there's going to be a steep learning curve with LaMelo Ball. I do have him number one. Uh, I'm not totally convinced his floor is maybe as high as you think it is. I do think it's a risky pick. Uh, I think that you know, early in his career, he's going to be targeted defensively from opposing teams. He is going to really have to prove that he can play within a team construct and that he can gain the respect of veterans. But I have number one because I think his talent demands that he's number one, especially within this draft class. He plays with sort of like a street ball style and street ball sizzle that I think came from his backyard battles with his two older brothers growing up in California. Uh, and I love everything about LaMelo's long-term potential, but, you know, he still is at 19 years 
years old yet. It is going to be a slow burn, I think, for him to sort of grow into the player that I think he can eventually be down the line. I believe LaMelo has higher upside ultimately than Lonzo, even though I was very high on Lonzo coming into the draft in 17. Uh, but Lonzo was a little bit older. He might have been a little bit more mature and battle-tested. So I think it could be a slow process for LaMelo to realize the extent of his full ceiling. But uh, if and when it happens, LaMelo Ball is, quite frankly, the most talented player in this draft class. And I don't really think anyone else can measure up to him. I actually think going to Chicago would be a good thing for LaMelo. I mean, you mentioned kind of the street ball flair. And and I think if there's a a knock on LaMelo, it's that he gets carried away with, you know... um, the dribble, 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 pull up, and, and the hero shots. And, you know, you go to a team like Chicago, he could put some scores around him. He wouldn't even really have that opportunity to, to dance with it too much with, with Levine and Markinen and Wendell Carter expecting more touches and shots next year. And he could really just play to his strengths as a playmaker, just move the ball. And and um, so I don't know. I, I think he'd also have a, a obvious opportunity to start there at point guard. And Kobe White, honestly, is like, screaming six-man microwave type score um so uh, i kind of like the way it would mesh now obviously you're going to need a top pick to get Lamelo, and then we look at some of the other options for them at point guard uh, another really good passer is killian hayes um, who i have ranked you know roughly top five in this draft and um curious have you seen a lot of killian hayes have you been doing your your uh your research on him yeah i really like killian hayes uh I've been covering the draft for SB Nation since 2014, but this year I've had more responsibilities covering the NBA in general. So mm-hmm. I am planning on doing a little bit more of a deep dive into all these guys. What I've seen so far out of Killian Hayes, I've really liked. I remember watching the FIBA tournament when he was playing for France with mm-hmm. Meldon and, uh, you know, that great French team that beat or they didn't beat John Calipari. They didn't beat the USA team, but uh, they got to the gold medal game. They lost. I think they took silver. France did in that tournament. So Killian Hayes has been on my radar for a while. I think he showed a lot of progress with Ulm this year. Obviously, he has great size at six foot five. The knock on him is his lack of explosive athleticism going to the basket. But I think he showed some improvement as an athlete this year. Uh, I think that his pull-up shooting ability made serious strides. And Killian Hayes is a guy for the Bulls who I would target at number seven overall uh if they don't have a shot at Lamelo, i don't know if he'll still be there i think that maybe armchair scouts on the internet who view the nba draft might be higher on killian hayes than the mainstream is and then nba gms are we'll see how that plays out as the draft comes closer to happening but uh killian hayes is someone who's very high on my personal big board and who i think would be a great fit in chicago if he's still available yeah i mentioned hayes as the second guy behind Lamelo only because what we were talking about before Chicago kind of needs a point guard who can get others involved and I think that's really Hayes bread and butter and and one of the reasons why he's moved up boards this year um, or at least has you know as you said the the armchair scouts on the internet um, have really taken a liking to him is because he's really improved his personal shot creation his shot making hit 14 threes a year ago and this year um, he doubled that and he's taken baby steps here with the shot making but you know he's become a guy who can get his own shot he's got one of the best floaters in the game he shoots like 85 percent from the free throw line just all promising signs for his offensive scoring trajectory but again worst case he's such a good passer uh, particularly in the pick and roll game that you've got to imagine he'd interest chicago and of course now with our tourists running the show i'm sure he's got some type of uh feel and, and interest in the international players 
And then another guy who's in the same category will stick to the passers is Tyrese Halliburton, who, um, you know, he reminds me a lot of Lonzo Ball, and I'm kind of having that same thought process going into the draft with him that, you know, if all else fails, you know that you have a phenomenal passer and decision maker. Um, do you think he should be a serious option for Chicago at number seven also? I don't have a super strong read on Halliburton or a super strong opinion, I should say. I've watched a ton of him. Uh, and it kills me to say this because, you know, when in doubt, you go to the numbers, I think. And Halliburton's numbers through his two years at Iowa State were totally unassailable. The fact that he was able to increase his usage so much as a sophomore and still maintain being one of the most efficient players in college basketball is phenomenal. But from an eye test perspective, like I wonder how much of a threat he's going to be attacking the basket, how much of a threat he's going to be to pull up off the dribble. I think those are major question marks. I would prefer someone like Tyrese Maxey to Halliburton, even though Maxey might be more uh, of, you know, he's not as much of a pure facilitator. He's a little bit more of a combo, maybe, even though he's shorter than Halliburton. Uh, Halliburton is interesting. I definitely think he has some holes in his game. I don't know if he's quite the savant that Lonzo was coming out of UCLA. So I would have him a little bit lower on my personal list. But, you know, Bulls need a point guard, and he checks a lot of those boxes. So I would expect him to be one of the players they closely evaluate. Yeah, um... You know, with Maxi, to me, Maxi reminds me too much of of a Kobe White type. Who, um, you know, you don't want to rely on him to be your lead decision maker. Um, um, but I do like Maxi. I'm 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 high on him. He's top ten for me. I'm ignoring his shooting percentages. He's tough. Um, he's a good locker room guy. Everybody seems to like him. Just brings a lot of positive energy. I think he's a safe bet, honestly, anywhere outside the top three for any team. Um, based on his fit. But Halliburton, to me, is a guy, so I've always questioned Halley. He's just a weird player. He's weird looking in terms of his posture. He's not really explosive. He's got one of the weirdest-looking jump shots you've ever seen. Um, Doesn't shoot it well off the dribble. Uh, But uh, like you said, the numbers, he kind of checks all the boxes. He he fills up box scores. Um, And uh, just another guy I feel really safe about in the draft where there's a lot of uncertainty. So as I've gone back after the season and watched more tape, I've actually kind of talked myself into Halliburton. Particularly, I just watched the Alabama game against um, Lewis Jr., and he was it was like one of the best performances I've seen from from anybody. And uh, when the shots falling, um, he's just a very complete player and high IQ guy. I continue to say, just like a really low risk type of guy who I think fills. Um, a need for Chicago, and and also the idea of of Halley, I'm the more I watch him, the more I think he could play some two. He ranked in the 99th percentile in spot ups this year. I can imagine him going to Golden State, being an off ball guy who just kind of takes what the defense gives him, makes the right decisions as a passer, makes the open shot, uh, really good instincts defensively, just a you know a Malcolm Brogdon type role player who can who can fit in. And so anyway, personally, um, I've kind of changed course with my thinking on Halliburton. Um, and he continues to move up for me. So also in Chicago, another thing, right? Wendell Carter, we all loved him coming into the draft. He's had two injury-plagued seasons. Um, if some of these guards are off the board and there's a guy like, you know, James Wiseman or Okongu there, is, would you hesitate to take a big guy like that just because you really want to get Carter on the floor? 
Well, the thing is, like, what's Karnaschovas going to do? Like, I love Wendell Carter. I think Wendell Carter has been horribly mismanaged by Jim Boylan over the last two years. And that if I had to choose one guy to protect on the Bulls right now, I would choose Carter. I really still believe in his full potential. But at the end of the day, like, Carter isn't that special where you're going to, like, build the whole franchise around him. So, you know, if you want a Kongwu, I think a Kongwu, to me, if you had to have me bet, who who is the safest bet to just be a good player in this draft? I would take a Kongwu. Uh, I think that his skill set is not exactly what the Bulls need, but I mean, if you move Wendell Carter for a guard or more assets, then you could have an opportunity for him. So I really like a Kongwu. I've been watching James Wiseman for three or four years covering the AAU scene for SB Nation. Uh, James Wiseman wasn't even chosen for one of the top three all EYBL teams when he was ranked as the number one player in the country. I always thought that was very damning. I'm not particularly high on him. I do think he's a lottery caliber prospect, uh, but I would not want the Bulls to take him just because I think that his game is pretty limited in terms of what you want out of a modern center. So Akangu is interesting. I think the only way that happens is if you trade Carter. While I do think Carter is pretty promising long-term, I mean, it's the Karnaschovas show at this point, right? If he wants to trade him, I'll trust him. Uh, and I hope he's able to get a good return back because I do still think that Wendell can be a pretty good player in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a pretty good assessment of Okongu. Like, he's a lock to be a good NBA player. The question is, in today's league, can he be a star-type player as mostly a post guy um, who's not going to stretch the floor and really he's a 6'9 center but plays hard you know, big-time shot blocker, a lot of energy, athleticism. I think he's more skilled than he's given credit for, and I know the NBA has gone away from post-ups, but he's pretty sharp down there. He's got some slick moves, uh, both facing up and back to the basket. I have him top five, um, again, just because I, one of those guys I just feel, like you said, super confident is going to be a good player, uh, and I'm valuing safety and, and low risk in this particular draft. And Wiseman, um, I get a lot of shit for, for giving shit to Wiseman because, you know, I, obviously he's physically super impressive with the 7'1", 240, 7'6", wingspan. He could jump. But uh, in today's NBA, I mean, he doesn't shoot. He doesn't pass. I'm not really sold on his defensive impact. Sure, he's going to put up shot-blocking numbers, but I don't think he's going to be, like, a game-changing defensive anchor. Um, and so I have him ranked number 10. I think that's kind of what you were saying as a lottery prospect, but not a, a you know, a franchise guy to, to build around. Um, and, then and, you know, people, the Memphis fans especially, have given me blown back for ranking Wiseman like eight. Mm-hmm. And you said you had him 10. Yeah. To be honest, we're being, like, positive in my view. Like, I could drop him to, like, 18 or 19 and feel fine with it. Yep. So even elevating him to 8, 9, 10... Uh, I know there's blowback. I've watched a lot of James Wiseman over the years in person. Uh, and I do think that he will have a long NBA career. There's no doubt about that. I just don't really see the super high ceiling right. that I think some scouts at the high school level initially saw. So, yeah. Right. Like, so the Warriors, uh, you know, because we're doing these mock drafts and, and they had the worst record, we're projecting them to pick number one. And there's a lot of people saying, okay, they need a center. Um, they don't need another winger guard. And Wiseman's right there. But, you know, you can, if he goes to a team like the Warriors, like they can just pay Willie Cauley Stein to do exactly the same thing, which is run the floor, dunk, uh, you know, block shots, and, and uh, just catch and finish. Um, so I don't really, like, like you said, I don't really see the upside. You've watched him in AAU, so have I. I've seen him in high school. You know, he tries to pull off some skill moves with, 
with his post game and some you know silly step back shots he likes to show that he can make but I just can't see any of those skills really translating or an offense saying okay let's give the ball to Wiseman in the half court I think that's our best option for a higher percentage shot is to give it to Wiseman and watch him go to work I mean you've seen him since he was you know mid-teens are you buying any of these skills translating from the touch to the to the post game to the face up like you know what do you see there what do you think his trajectory is in terms of scoring no like you said like if you're giving the ball to James Wiseman on the block that's not just just not going to be an efficient offensive possession in the NBA. Uh, to me, he's another guy who sort of needs to be spoon-fed. And if he gets with a high-level creator, I do think he's definitely got potential. He's like a pick-and-dive guy uh, who can finish at the rim. DeAndre Jordan is a name who comes up as a comparison for him. He's not on the level athletically. Is prime DeAndre Jordan, in my opinion. But at least the measurements are similar. He is absolutely gigantic. Uh, I think he'll interview well, too. Every time I've talked to him, he's been a uh, you know, cool guy. So... Yeah, I just think that, you know, he's more of a role player than a star, and he could very well have a, have a great career in the NBA, very solid career, make lots of money, uh, but I just don't see him being anything more than, like, a fifth option, probably offensively, and then defensively, I don't see him being, like, Ruby Gobert, someone who's, like, a game-changing defender. I think he'll be solid. There'll be a learning curve. There'll be matchups where he gets played off the floor, even, but... Uh, he's a good prospect, not a great prospect, and a lot of his hype comes from his high school evaluation more than his translation into the modern NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, totally. Um, before we move on, I got a shout out to Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's some there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our executive partner, exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on, from their online casino to poker and blackjack to bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations. You can bet on, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Open all 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Um, okay, another guy we haven't really addressed, and we have to because he's just like the main focus of the draft conversation, is Anthony Edwards. Um, I had him number one coming into the season. I don't have him number one now. Um, I still have him in that top tier, but everything inside of me says to stay away from him in the draft. I actually compare him uh, to Zach Levine as that type of guy. And when I say stay away from him, I mean like with a top three pick. Um, I do think he's going to go top three, and I totally understand why a team would take him top three. Even number one, I I see, uh, again, why they could just see a guaranteed score in the NBA. But what's your take on, on Anthony Edwards overall and how he stacks up with the other guys in this draft? Yeah, I had him number one until like two weeks ago, to be honest. Uh, Now I have him number two. I have been following his career pretty closely. I did a big feature on him when he reclassified. Uh, That was in January of 2019, I believe. I talked to him on the phone and a few of his high school coaches. Really seems like a great kid from the small view into his personality that I got. He is also very young, just like LaMelo Ball, one of the youngest American-born prospects in this class. Uh, I'm willing to bet on Anthony Edwards 
for a few of the reasons you laid out, I think that while the Levine comparison is intriguing because of the athleticism and the shot making, I think that Anthony Edwards could probably like bench press Zach Levine right now. Anthony Edwards is just so much more cut than someone like Levine, who's very thin. Uh, I think that Edwards at its strength will help him defensively. To me, it's more of like a play recognition thing with him, which I don't know if you can fix that quite frankly, moving forward. But when Edwards was dialed in defensively, I'm calling back to the Maui Invitational game against Michigan State, where in the second half of that game, his defensive highlights were as impressive as his offensive highlights. He dropped like 30 points in the second half of that game. So I would still be willing to take a bet on Edwards. I would want a high-level creator next to him. I would want a patient infrastructure and a strong head coach who can sort of ease his transition to the NBA because he is going to be so young. Um, because I don't think that like he's ready to be running isolations and pick and rolls in the league. But if you put him in a more defined role, if you let his development be a slow burn, and if you really focus on coaching him to the best parts of his game, which is putting pressure on the rim, using his physicality to bully less gifted players. Uh, I still have him number two. I know he only shot 40% from the field. I believe in his shot making. I believe in his shooting touch. He hit some very difficult shots, which I think is another way the Levine comparison comes into play. Uh, I think in a more defined role, he can be really good. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned he could bench press Levine, but the way he plays, he, you know, he's 225, he might as well be 200 because he just doesn't really use his body. Effect, yeah, you know, he, doesn't, he, he, he loves the hero jumper game, um, and that's the, my biggest concern with him. And I know he can make him, but uh, he really, really prefers to make a jump shot than a layup or a free throw. Um, and, uh, you know, you mentioned his defense. Well, he's got to, for him to be locked in defensively, he's got to be great offensively. And if he stinks on offense and his team's losing – you could like totally see his defensive intensity just drop. And, and one of my knocks on him, and, and I've never interviewed him personally, but I've been around him and I've seen a million interviews and I, you know, I study his body language closely. I don't think he takes, I don't think he's super professional. And I don't mean that in a mean way. He's still 18 years old, but I feel like he just doesn't take it very seriously. And he's very concerned with how he looks and, and the types of, you know, the sexiness to his shots over substance and I just have concerns about his you know how he's going to handle himself um, going forward as a, as a pro but there's no question he's going to be a productive NBA two guard and, and a guy who can get his shot and make any shot in the book and catch fire and have 40 point games um, but uh, you know when the offense runs through him um, your your offense as a whole can can really suffer. A lot of guys will stand around and watch. And, you know, of course we saw that 32-point second-half explosion against Michigan State. Well, I just went back and watched the Auburn game yesterday um, where where uh, his team got blown out by 20. And, I mean, he would literally – there was one possession where he dribbled for 15 straight seconds and took a pull-up jumper while the four other guys, two guys stood in the wing, two other guys stood in the corner and just watched, and he jogged back on defense. And uh, I don't know, just to, to, to think of him as, you know, my, my top option, which is, I guess, if you're drafting him, if you're a bad team drafting, that's what you're expecting him to be. Um, I would just, like, you know, as a, somebody who lives in New York, I'm, I'm, I really don't want the Knicks to draft Anthony Edwards. I think it's a, a recipe for disaster. However, you put him on the team like the Warriors, where he doesn't have that opportunity to, to dance with the ball again. You know, kind of like I said with LaMelo, I think it, the fit with him is going to be so crucial to his 
development and, and early on, you know, is there a team that stands out to you that, you know, to get the max out of Edwards, what team do you think needs to, to draft him? Yeah, I do think a team like the Warriors would be really interesting. How about the Hawks? I mean, obviously, he's an Atlanta kid. Being able to play with Trey Young, he could spoon-feed him some offensive opportunities. I think that could be interesting. Uh, a team like the Spurs would be great for him, I think. Uh, you know, maybe even a team like the Hornets could be kind of interesting. So who knows what will happen with Edwards. The one thing I'll say is talking to him last year, we sat down for maybe about 30 minutes, and then watching the video he did with Mike Schmitz of ESPN going over his own highlights and lowlights, I do think he has a little bit more self-awareness than his game shows, and he is just so young, too, mm -hmm. is the other thing to remember with him. Like, if he was starting college next year, I would think he'd be a little more efficient, but like you said, he already has the physical tools the issue with him is more of a mindset thing. I agree it'd be a disaster on the Knicks, him and RJ together, no one else would see the ball. Uh, so I don't know. I, I want to bet on Edwards because I think he has some things you can't teach. And I think that his approach maybe isn't as poor as his play might indicate it is given his baseline statistics. Uh, but it's a risky pick and you know more than anything he's someone who i'd feel better off taking in a normal draft at like number six seven eight nine than in this draft potentially taking him at number one mm -hmm. how about it, obi toppin so toppin to me I, i've i've heard arguments on both sides and honestly i hear an argument that he should be top five and i'm like hmm, maybe you're right and then i hear an argument that he should be you know 17 and i'm like oh maybe you're right um, i'm trying to find the balance of of how Obi Toppin stacks up, and I put out a stat on Twitter the other day, and I got a lot of uh, uh, attention for it. Um, and, and if you look at the 22-year-olds who've been taken in the lottery over the last, like, 13 years, it's the track record is hideous. It's crazy. It's like all the busts that you can think of um, were 22 before they were drafted. Um, and so I don't know if you really factor that into the equation. He's kind of different than a lot of guys on that list. Um, but... Uh, he is 22. He's, he's certainly old for his class. Um, obviously explosive and, and super productive and efficient in college. Um, but, you know, there's a, a little bit of doubt. Where are you on topping? I'm probably lower on him than the consensus. Uh, I thought he was the best player in college basketball this year, 99th percentile in terms of points per possession on synergy. Just an automatic finisher inside, I think, you know, a lot of that credit goes to Anthony Grant there, the Dayton head coach who NBA teams, I think, should be keeping an eye on. He had a pretty good supporting cast there with the Flyers, too. Great college player. Uh, I would probably not take him in the top 10. Uh, I just think that, you know, the value of what he's going to give you offensively, unless he turns into a really great shooter, is not going to outweigh what I think his shortcomings are defensively. And whenever I see a prospect like that, I'm like, well, can he defend enough to play the five? Probably not. And then if you move him to four, that position has mostly become defined by like oversized wings in the NBA. So I don't really think that's his game. Uh, to me, he just isn't a great fit for the way the league is currently moving. If he would have came out in 2000, I would be a lot higher on him. These days, I think you need a player with a little bit more complete skill set. So uh, I'm on the lower end of the projections for Toppin, I would say. Yeah, after listening to that, I'm back on the low end as well. It's it's funny. Um, yeah, of course, uh, a big guy who, who can't defend, he better be a shooter. I mean, the shooting better be legitimate. And um, as much improvement as he made this year, the misses were really 
I mean, he had a lot of air balls, a lot of um, shots that weren't close, which makes me question the the legitimacy of of his improved uh, 39% three ball. And um, I think people kind of sometimes like he looks so much like Amari Stoudemire, both you know physically and the number one. And I think it kind of like clouds our our evaluation on him, and we get so excited with the athleticism and, and some of the moves, and we forget, like you said, about his fit. Like a lot of power forward, he's not. He's going to have a t- tough time playing center. I actually watched the Kansas game um, against uh, Azubuki, and he just like really didn't have a chance in some possessions. Um, and so you put him as a four, and like if he goes up against a team who's playing a small ball four or, or like a you know two wings, you're in trouble. And and so. Uh, it's hard to imagine him being a star in today's league, and of course the highlights are are so um, you know appealing and, and they're they're fun to watch. But uh, I'm just you know when I look deep down, it's just really hard to picture him translating um, all this production into into stardom at the NBA level. And and he's really going to need a right fit. I think he's going to need a rim protector at the five next to him, and he's going to need a good wing defender um, on the wing. And if you look at the lottery teams, there are not many who can kind of give him both of those type of defenders. Um, another another guy who's people are kind of split on, um, Cole Anthony. And I had Cole Anthony uh, maybe top three or top four to start the year. I've seen some boards out there where he's suddenly mid-first mid round. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, it's kind of like Cam Reddish last year. Like, you just look past the bad situation for him um, in college and, and, you know, evaluate him based on high school and the long term, or do you put stock into the struggles Cole Anthony had where he's under 40% um, and didn't really have much of an assist to turnover ratio of 4 to 3.5? Yeah, great comparison with Cam. Both those guys were much more productive, I think, in high school than they were in college. Uh, Cam had a pretty decent rookie year, I think, for Atlanta, and I yeah. still think Cam has a pretty bright future. He ended up in a good situation there playing next to Trey Young. So I. I think I want to buy on Cole. I'm not totally out on him by any means. I would have a tough time picking between like him and Maxi. Like I think that he still has some shake to his game that a lot of these other prospects don't have. And I think that his game might be more tailor-made for the NBA than the college level, whereas someone like Toppin's game was more tailor-made for the college level. So uh, I would probably be willing to bet on Cole. It's a risky bet. Certainly, I think that, you know, I wouldn't have a ton of confidence in picking him, but I would pick him because based on some of the other guys he's competing against, I just think his game translates better to the league than a lot of the other prospects in this class. His ability to score off the pick and roll, I think, is going to be big for him. I still believe in his shooting ability, both off the dribble and off the catch. And I think as a team defender, he can be pretty smart and active in terms of like, the hard hedge, the dig to, uh, you know, attack a a man with the ball in the paint, his ability to rebound on a team level, his help rotations. I think all those are pretty solid. I like his approach to the game mentally. And uh, with me, the question with him has always been like, he can get you 30 points, but is he going to take 25 shots to do it? Mm -hmm. I think in the NBA, he just won't have that kind of latitude in terms of Uh, how much rope he has to hold offensive possessions hostage. And in a more narrow role, I still think he can be pretty good. And, uh, you know, if you want a guy who can create his own shot off the dribble, there's not many guys who are a better bet in this class than Cole Anthony. While he might be a little inefficient, I would still be willing to take a chance on Cole Anthony in the top 10. Yeah, no, 
know, me too. Um, and, you know, if a team like the Knicks have the sixth pick and depending on who's left, uh, I don't know how great of a fit he is for Chicago. He's another score first guard. But for a team like the Knicks who are looking for a point guard to build around, I, I'm still, I'd still give them the green light to take a guy like Cole. I think he's a better passer than the numbers suggest. North Carolina ranked like 360 in the country in three-point percentage. So uh, a lot of missed assist opportunities for him. Um yeah, yeah, I'm buying the shot creation. I'm buying the shot making. Good athlete. Made some big-time defensive plays off the ball, like you mentioned. And, um, man, he's a, he loves basketball. There's no doubt about that. And going back to uh, just seeing him grow, of course, he's been in the spotlight for a long time with his father, Greg. So, you know, we, we've been able to see him grow both on and off the floor and um, loves the game. I, I'm just betting on him getting better and being coachable at the next level. Um, and so I think he, just like Reddish, was like a good buy-low opportunity at 10. Like, if Cole slips, I mean, I think you're getting a steal in this draft. Um, let's close out with, and this is kind of open-ended, but Chicago has, what, the 45th? I think they have a, a mid-second round pick this year. Anybody come to mind who, uh, who, who you might think could be like a, a steal this late? First of all, I think the draft process in general, because a lot of these guys who are second-round guys and not going to be able to work out for teams. Um, there could be a lot of steals this year uh, because of just teams not you know, knowing not knowing enough. Um, anybody come to mind as, a, as somebody to target in the second round? Uh, yeah, I do think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for guys, even in the you know mid to late first round in terms of dudes who could be pretty good. Uh, you know, just going over some guys who I think might be high floor picks – uh Killian Tilly is someone who's always intrigued me at Gonzaga I think that you know he was on pace to be a first round pick after his sophomore year had a lot of injury issues at Gonzaga if Tilly can stay healthy I really think Tilly can be a good NBA player as sort of the prototype what you want in a modern day four uh if he's available in the second round at that pick I would be in favor of the Bulls taking him someone like Devin Dotson really intrigues me I have Dotson as a first round pick no doubt uh but he was awesome this year at Kansas he actually grew up in Chicago most people don't know that he moved to the Charlotte area right before he started high school I think so if the Bulls were to get him that'd be a nice homecoming story I think Dotson's a monster in terms of his ability to get to the rim to absorb contact to finish he's small he's not the best shooter but I love the intangibles about Dotson I love the speed I love the physicality so I would buy on him I'm into Malachi Flynn for San Diego State, one of the most productive players in the country this year as a transfer from Washington State. Tough, gritty, fits with everything the Bulls typically value in prospects before they had the regime change. Uh, super productive for San Diego State this year, too. So uh, that would be another name I would keep an eye on. You could really go down the list. I think that there's uh, a number of intriguing players. Like, where does Tyler Bay go from Colorado? Mm -hmm. He was awesome defensively this year, one of the better defensive players in the country. I'd keep my eye on him. Uh, there's a lot of guys. I don't really have, like, one name in particular in mind, but uh, even, like, Elijah Hughes from mm -hmm. Syracuse, who's a big wing who could shoot it. If he's available at 45, I'd be down with him. Uh, there, there's definitely some options. Paul Reed, I have to mention. I think he could be a first-round pick potentially, but if he's still there at 45, he could give you most of the traits you're looking for in a modern big man. So, yeah, like you said, there's going to be a lot of potential sleepers this year. It'll be interesting to see how many of these guys keep their name in the draft. Someone like Tyra Terry entering the draft surprised me a little bit. Uh, I'm fascinated to see where he ends up going. Is he a first-round pick? 
Uh, did he get a promise from someone to declare? I think that those are all interesting factors. So, uh, yeah, a, a lot of good options potentially with that pick for the Bulls. Yeah, you named a lot of the guys um, that, that were in my mind when I came up with this question. And a, a few more, Xavier Tillman from Michigan State just screams pro and role player to me. And the fact that he doesn't have much upside suggests to me that he's not going first round. Um, Skyler Mays, LSU, Grant Riller, Charleston. Um, I love Malachi Flynn and, and, and I'm, Tyrell Terry. It's a good point. Like it's, it's possible that a team reached out to his camp and said, leave now because we're going to take you in the first round. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't know where Trey Jones is going to go. I know some people think of him as a second rounder. I know some people think of him as a lottery pick. I think he's closer. I think he's Dotson also in that same category as Trey Jones. You know, we don't think about this draft in terms of Oh, there's so many obvious stars, but man, some of these guys we're mentioning right now, including Tyler Bay, who also I have as a first rounder and don't expect him to go first round. I mean, there could be a lot of good role players um, taken late in this draft, particularly without a pre-draft process. I think a lot of guys are going to fall through the cracks. Um, anything you want to plug? Oh yeah, I see you have a you have a new article out. Um, check out Ricky's article on the new Bulls plan and their new hire. Anything else you got going on? Yeah, going to be rolling out a lot of draft coverage. Uh, I guess we got no live basketball to watch, so I'm just trying my best, man, to come up with uh, daily stuff for SBNation.com. Going to be rolling out a lot of draft coverage. You can read my LaMelo profile. You can take issue with that if you want to with me having a number one overall. Wrote about the Bulls today at SBNation.com on uh, the new front office regime. So, yeah. Keep it, keep it locked to the NBA page, the college basketball page. I'm going to still be churning out the articles while, uh, while the quarantine's in place. All right, sounds good. Uh, everybody stay safe. Thanks a lot to Ricky O'Donnell, SB Nation, and uh, we'll be back next week.